Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Suns John and Matthew Session podcast, a.k.a. the Suns Jam Session podcast. We're very excited that you decided to press play and hang out with us for the next hour or so as we explore everything that is Phoenix Suns kind of going on during a weird time in Suns franchise and and human franchise history. My name's John. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. I'm joined by my cohort in crime. My fellow co-host, give it up for Matthew. How are you, sir? Hey, good. How you doing, John? This is Matthew Lissy on the other end. <laughs> uh, I'm doing very well. A little sunburnt. I was out fishing the other day, and uh, you know, I was just out there a little too long and got a little toasty. So Yeah, I did too. Did you bring any sunblock? Yeah, I did, but I never apply enough. I'm like beyond pale. I'm like porcelain white. Mm-hmm. So if I don't like just constantly reapply, I burn to a crisp, and I'm Irish. So it's like I burn and then I instantly become porcelain white again. There's no tan in my life. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I went golfing and then I had a. I think I applied it a couple times because it was a hundred out, but um, I didn't get really as good of a tan as I thought. So yeah, I'm looking I have at to go Zoom. back out there again. We're, we're on Zoom and yeah, you're not like golden. So no, <laughs> I don't tan like though? I used to. Isn't it crazy that it's already a hundred degrees outside in Phoenix? It's late April. Yeah, is that normal? I've lived here my whole life. I still don't know the weather patterns like you do. So <laughs> it normally will get no, like warm this time of year, but you we're not pushing triple digits. Like we're gonna set records probably over this weekend, which is probably annoying. But you know what? It might kill off the COVID, so I'm okay with that. Oh, that would be great. That'd be I'm fantastic. Love to see that. This is our mailbag podcast where listeners of Suns Jam session have emailed the show or answered some questions that we've put out there on Facebook or Twitter. We always thank you for engaging with us and providing us with some of the questions that you want answered. We're here to do that. So I think it would only be right if I cracked open a nice cold brew as we talk about all the mailbag questions that the Suns Jam Session listeners have provided. All right, so before we get into all the questions that the Suns Jam Session listeners have provided, the first thing I wanted to talk about with you, Matthew, is the Woj tweet that came out yesterday. We're recording this on Sunday. On Saturday, Woj tweeted out, beginning on May 1st, the NBA is allowing teams to open their practice facilities to players in cities and states where local governments have eased stay-at-home orders, sources tell ESPN. So the hope that we've been talking about for a month and a half now well, maybe it's only a month, is, is, it's coming true, right? I think so. And it really is up to the state because I looked up yesterday what um, our governor wants to do here in Arizona. 
And it looks like the stay at home act might be continuing into further notice. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that affects us, of course, but um, for NBA players, I feel like as soon as the facilities come available, they got to use them. Um, I'm all for it. What do you think about that? The same governor, Doug Ducey, has currently April 30th as the expiration of shelter-in-place orders. There's still kind of a gray area as to how he's going to move forward, if he's going to slowly start to open up different aspects of society and the economy. And if that does occur, this is an opportunity for the Suns to start practicing together. Now, they're not going to do full-on practices. It's going to be more of those individual practices. But it's going to allow players – to have an opportunity to meet with their trainers again and get into some workout facilities and do more than just sit at home. Cause at at the end of the day, that's what they're doing right now. They're, they're hanging out at home just like you and I are, they might have nicer homes and they might have better workout equipment, but still it's not the same as, as having a personal trainer walking you through the different drills that you need to do to be successful as a national basketball association player. So knowing that this step is coming It might not be immediate for the Phoenix Suns, but it will be immediate for some teams around the NBA, which is what we've been waiting for. You know, the whole purpose of shelter in place was, hey, stay at home so the hospitals don't get overwhelmed. Allow them an opportunity to be prepared for an influx of incoming patients with the coronavirus. Well, we've done our part for over a month now, and that's the next step is like, okay, now we can start to open up certain aspects of society and let people kind of start to interact with each other. Because if it does spike, the medical profession has the opportunity to assist those people. So this is, this is what we've been hunkering down for with some sort of glimmer of hope. And the Woj tweet, at least to me, was a glimmer of hope. It was. And also, I feel like um, the playoffs might have a chance still. And yep. I know the players, they wanted, what, six weeks or so to get trained up again and have uh, like real full practices and all of that before anything continues. But if they have that, where they have six weeks, maybe late July through August, we can have playoffs. And even if it's like five game series or something like that, just to finish it off and see how it goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would still love to see that. I think of that's course. a great time. And I think it's going to be half and half of us in the world or not the world, but even the U S that um, will attend these games will feel normal again. I feel like when everything dies down, we can do what we want. I'll, I'll be full normal again. Cause I'm already, I'm still playing golf, whatever I can do to get out, whatever's legal. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll be out there to do it. So, but I feel like the other half will have a hard time coming back to reality. It might take them a few years um, yeah. after this. So, I mean, I would love to see the basketball played again. If we can get playoffs and even the five game series, like I said, I would love to see that, man. Here's a fun question for you. If the Suns were to announce that July 1st, they're going to have their first game back for the season. And they're playing it down at the Madhouse in McDowell. Let's say all the necessary steps have been taken. They've had enough time to train and, and get their bodies back into that elite shape and ready for NBA competition. If they say, okay, July 1st, we're picking back up where we left off and we're going to play the Portland Trailblazers, would you buy tickets to that game? Yes, and I think it'd be sold out quick. Yeah. Wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. I would oh, yeah. It would, I, would, I feel like I would have a hard time getting tickets to that game. And I think they would be a little bit more expensive than usual. Um, but I definitely think they would definitely sell out like a tool concert or something that comes through. 
oh, every I know. once in 20 years. So yeah, <laughs> very true. Very true. Well, let's get into some of the questions that our listeners have posed to us. Uh, the first thing that we did on Twitter and Facebook is we simply asked our listeners to ask away. Sons related or not, just ask us anything. So you want to propose the first question, Matthew? Yeah. First question is from Mike Sanchez. He asked, what is the favorite or what is your favorite Suns Gorilla antics? Ooh, good one. Good one. Thank you, Mike Sanchez. He did that one via Facebook. I'd have to say of all the things that the Suns Gorilla does, when they're showing the Last Dance documentary on ESPN and they showed a brief uh, in episode, it was one or two, they showed a brief moment of the Suns Gorilla rappelling down and dunking the bull after we <laughs> yeah. beat him. That was the yep. coolest antic I've seen. He's done all kinds of stuff. You know, he runs around. He, he, he'll find a guy who's wearing a hat of the opposing team, and he'll pie him in the face, and you know it's set up. Uh, he'll come out with that huge Phoenix Suns flag at the beginning, and the flames are going off, and you're praying that that thing doesn't, like, just get lit aflame. And he somehow <laughs> he's got the skill, and it doesn't happen. But I think Duncan of the Bull, that was one of the coolest ones that I saw. It's either that or him entering on a motorcycle. Yeah. Like old-school Phoenix Suns gorilla shit. You stole, yeah, you stole part of my answer. Ah, okay, okay. But what is yours? What is yours? Mine is actually the last game ever played at the uh, the older Talking Stick Arena. I was there, and he did the same thing that you saw in the dock where he repelled from the ceiling, but this time he came down as Spider-Man. And it was just, actually, it was pretty awesome because you didn't see him until he was about halfway down, and it was superhero night. So the whole thing was amazing. Oh. He came down to like the old Spider-Man theme music, and then uh, he got he got down – they brought out the big gun that shoots out the t-shirts, you know? Yes. And it misses me every time. Every time. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, he did that, and that was, that was insane. But he's always Mike, – Mike Wilbon, he'll always attest that the Suns Gorilla is the best uh, mascot out there in the NBA. He is, because you can do so much with what he's dressed as a gorilla, a slim yeah. gorilla. Yeah. So he can, he can do so much more, and he's always been the best uh, – mascot of course i mean i'm biased but he does a lot of things but that was my half of my favorite uh thing is just going uh, repelling off of the stadium ceiling that's just amazing something i would never do oh hell would, no even if you paid me a thousand trillion dollars i would never do that man uh, that's that'd be inc- like really insane because that's not even a real number like that's how much you wouldn't <laughs> want to do that like for yeah. even fake money i wouldn't even do that <laughs> shit uh, have you ever had your picture taken with him or you given uh, the gorilla a good old-fashioned high five well, yeah, yeah, I have. And actually, I think we were behind Tom Lee and the Toms that one time. The yeah, Suns, yeah. Like, and he came back there. You're like, oh, take a picture. And I took a picture. It was just like half of his eyeball. I know. <laughs> like your T-shirt. It was terrible. It's I creepy. was so nervous. I didn't know what to do, you know? It's just like, <laughs> I can't do that. I cannot take pictures. I know. When, whenever I, I hand you my phone, I'm like, take a picture real quick. You're like, fuck. Yeah. Because like, there was that gorilla. time. Or, Jerry yeah, Colangelo. <laughs> yeah, Jerry Colangelo. Yeah, I'm like, take my picture with my drink. <laughs> drop like, my drink and oh, God. Spill, spill my stuff everywhere. So, so if you ever meet Matthew, just don't ask him to take your picture. <laughs> you can take a picture of me, but just don't yeah. have me take a picture. Yeah, no, it won't work out well. So uh, thank you, Mike Sanchez, for that. Our next question comes from Darren Brown. Will the Suns win a championship before I'm 85? I'm 29 right now. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Matthew? Well, I'm overly uh, defensive over the Suns. Out of any team, I have, I'm have. i a Cowboys fan. I'm a Yankees fan. But anything they do to dig their own grave, I'm piling dirt on that grave, dude. Usually, just because I'm sick of the way they've been for forever. But you would think I would be the same way with the Suns. Mm-hmm. And I, I, Anything they do in the offseason, I'm always for. I, I support this team so much. 
I just, I'm going to say no. Is that weird? Cause I just don't believe, I feel like when I, I feel like 10 years from now, when we still haven't won a championship, I'm gonna be like, you know what? They'll never win a championship. I'm going to be like my older brother who, you know, anytime they make the playoffs is like, they're not going to win it. They didn't win in the nineties. They're never going to win it. I'm like, yeah, they have a chance this time, but they didn't. So I honestly, I'm going to say, no, they're never going to win a championship. All right, Darren. Well, is that terrible or what? There you go. Well, I'll look at it like this. Okay. So Darren's 29 right now. He says win a championship before he's 85. So that's 56 years. So he's saying before the year 2076, will the Suns win a championship? I'm going to go with yes. And I'm going to say that they're going to do it in the year 2076. Oh, right. For the hundred year anniversary of the Suns making the finals for the first time when they did so in 1976, they're going to do it in 2076. And yes, Darren, they're going to win that chip for you. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of with you, Matthew. I'm very optimistic about the Suns. And I think it's just because they have had so much, so much success in their franchise overall. Okay. As an Arizona Cardinals fan, like they are hit and miss. They've had a lot more recent success, but for somebody who's been a fan of them for 30 something years, they sucked forever. Yes. Uh, I'm a Dodgers fan <laughs> and they always get close, but they never win shit. Uh, so, I mean, I, I kind of, and what, and I'm, I'm always very negative about, well, at least the baseball side, I'm always very optimistic about the Cardinals too. Uh, when they make moves, I either talk myself into those moves or I believe that that's the correct move that they should have done. Even with the Arizona Cardinals the other day, I've been saying for um, you know four months now, ever since the season ended, hey, we need to draft an offensive lineman, offensive lineman, protect Kyler Murray, protect the franchise. And then they draft an outside linebacker in Isaiah Simmons. I'm like, that guy's a fucking beast. What a great yeah. pick. You know, and like, yeah. I, I instantly buy into it. And it's kind of the same for the Suns not necessarily in the last five years. Cause like, I really didn't like the Alex Len pick. I wasn't a really big fan of Marquise Chris when we did that whole kind of trade with, uh, I forget who we traded to get Marquise Chris, but there's just, that wasn't a really good draft either. But for yeah. the most part, I agree with their philosophy and I believe that they're progressing to win. And then they come out and they disappoint me because that's. What yeah. Saying. And I'll answer that later on too, where they, their philosophy is usually good, but they just never stick with it. So it kind of hurts them always because they never stick together as long as they should to win a championship. Yes. But um, I can see Darren uh, Brown walking around like Bill Murray, you know, when the, the Cubs finally won a championship yes. at age 85, walking around the court just by himself. You know, I don't know what he looks like, <laughs> but I'm assuming he looks like Bill Murray. <laughs> well, Darren, if we uh if we win a championship before 2076, we'll get a beer together because that'll yeah. be a great time. So thank you for it your would. question. All right. Next question is from Nathan Darris. The question is, will Dan Marley work for the Suns ever? Is that the question? <laughs> yeah, I I don't think he will. And I was having this conversation with one of my buddies the other day. I we were talking about the NBA and kind of debating the talent level in the NBA and what have you. And then I asked him that question. Or he, I think he actually posed the question to me, and he goes, well, Dan Marley's available. Why should He should join the Suns coaching staff. I'm like, he shouldn't. And he goes, well, why? I go, well, because there's just no reason to. You have Monty Williams. You finally have this good, solid coaching staff in there. Why would you bring in a guy from, you know, five years ago in the Ryan McDonough era and 30 years ago when the Suns were good and, and instantly, like, put him into the, the coaching mix? And his argument was he's like, well, me, the casual Suns fan, would like that move because it, it gives me a relation to that team because I remember the 92-93 team and I would, I would, it would spark my interest. I'm like, yeah, but as the casual fan, you would then just go back to not watching them anymore and then I'm stuck with your shitty coaching decision that you supported. 
you know, it, it, it's kind of like, a, God, what was the analogy that I gave to him on this one? I said, it's like a guy who, uh, yeah, fuck my analogy. It wasn't any good. I can't remember. <laughs> we were drinking. I, oh yeah. Well, it's hard to remember when you were uh, drinking, yeah. but, um, analogy might be like, um, making your uh, ex-wife be your best friend in your new relationship. No, that's a Maybe great analogy. Like you know yes. what I mean? It just doesn't work out. And I mentioned this before. It's like, you don't want to bring back the guys from the old, the old, the old stuff that was going on. You know, you got a new thing in place. Uh, go forward with that and believe in Monte and James Jones to who they want to pick. Um, I know Thunder Dan's awesome and everyone would want to have a drink with this guy, but um, it's just something in the past. We got to move on. I don't think we have to deal with him anymore. And I, he's he did great grand canyon but i don't i don't know man i just don't want him back on the team just because fans want it you know what i mean do you ever think like sarbu would bring him in as like an assistant gm or anything um i don't know i i don't think he would just because he probably doesn't want to give in to what sarver uh wants like if sarver asks something he's gonna deny him you know he's I think if it's something Marley wants and he goes to Sarver to ask and then he gets it maybe, but if Sarver asks him, then no. Yeah. Cause I know that Marley was a little upset because he wasn't offered the head coaching job after Earl Watson left. And before Igor Kokoshkov joined the team, he was on that Earl Watson train uh, coaching staff. And I think he was kind of hurt by the fact that the Suns didn't pursue him as a head coaching option. So that's why he like, yeah. you know, he went over to GCU and got fired from there. So you know, we'll see what happens with Thunder Dan, but I think Matthew and I both agree that he's not going to be working for the Suns in any capacity moving forward. Nope. All right. So our next question comes from John Snow DeVance. What is the worst Suns trade in the franchise's history? Ooh, that's a heavy question. It Wait. is because there's so many, right? <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Um, well, I mean, like I mentioned before, the Suns had a good philosophy. I, I even believed in the three-headed monster they had with the point guards. I, for some reason, I loved Isaiah Thomas, sign, signee, and I, I thought they can work it out. But, of course, they couldn't because their egos got in the way, and it's all the players' fault in that one, I feel like. I feel like they would have had something to wear. They could have been unstoppable. Scoring-wise, playmaking-wise, it would have been great to watch. Um, but out of all of that, all, all those trades that happened between those three – other two uh i'm gonna go later on when bloodsoe was traded just because we got nothing back and i think bloodsoe no matter how much we hate him he could be if there was a fourth all fourth team all nba he'd be on that but he's also a great defensive point guard they could have got chris middleton this last off season i had middleton above rubio like a second point guard that i wanted above rubio i had third and uh wait did i say chris middleton yeah Oh, no, I didn't like, mean him at all. I'm sitting there looking confused over here. I'm like, Chris Middleton? <laughs> yeah, not Chris Middleton. It was, uh, oh, my gosh, what is his name? Uh, he went to the Pacers. He signed with the Pacers. Victor Oh, Lepipo? my gosh. Oh, no, no, no. no. Oh, um, um, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, so Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, he. I love that guy, and I thought they could have got him in the trade, and I think I mentioned this before. It's just that trade, I feel like, they could have pulled off and just hold on to Bledsoe as long as they could instead of getting rid of him so quickly. Um, I feel like we could have got more. So I, I'm just going to go with that one. There's a lot. I mean, you can go to Sean Marion Shaq trade, mm -hmm. all of that. But I feel like just having a young team and you could have added Chris or Chris, there we go again, Chris Middleton. <laughs> Malcolm Brogdon. Let's just trade for, yeah, the trade that never <laughs> happens. Let's get Chris Middleton. Malcolm Brogdon, uh, I'm going to go with that one. Okay. Uh, I get that one. And, you know, for those who are Suns fans in the last 10 years, you definitely have a good idea of exactly who all those players were. 
uh, and all the pieces and how it all fell for the, for the Suns. It's tough for me because there's just so many, like you said. Uh, a couple that I really am not a big fan of, obviously the Sean Marion trade, we've gone at nauseum of how much I don't like that just because I was a huge yeah. Sean, Sean Marion fan. But again, I, do, I think at, at the end of the day, that was probably a good trade for the Suns because at least they got some assets back and they, I mean, they made a run to the Western Conference Finals with That's Shaq, yeah. you know, so I think the, uh, the Dennis Johnson for Rick Roby trade in the early 80s, that one was really, really bad just because it was so damn lopsided. And, you know, the, the tough thing is when you look at these trades, you can sit there in hindsight and be like, oh, this was a bad trade. Like trading the Rajon Rondo when we drafted him, you know, in hindsight, you're like, damn, we should have held on to him. But we didn't know it back then. And that was like an 04 or 05 or 06 or somewhere in there yeah. where the Suns like were having success and really didn't need a Rajon Rondo or a Luau Dang. So you can't yeah. say trading those guys made sense. Whereas with the Dennis Johnson for Rick Roby trade, like – Dennis Johnson was a defensive player of the year, all defensive team, all star. And we trade him for like a backup center in the early eighties. Like that one makes absolutely <laughs> no sense to me, but the biggest one for me is gotta be trading Quentin Richardson for Kurt Thomas, because it signified that we didn't want to impose our will on the San Antonio Spurs. It said, Hey, we've got this guy who just led the entire NBA in threes and he's a young guy, and we're changing the way the basketball is played. No, 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 no. Let's get fucking Frankenstein in here and slow our game down and hope that this will allow us to beat another team. And I, I'll never forget when that trade happened. And even with Joe Johnson that year, like he left because he wanted more money and he thought he was worth more, and therefore, you know, we made it happen. Yeah. When Richardson was happy and content here, he's playing next to Steve Nash. He's jacking up all the threes he wants. He's having a great yep. time. And I just – I couldn't stand that trade when it happened. It just, it was the disintegration of something that was going to be great. And uh, just so you know, Matthew, obviously this will probably be put out a little bit later today, but tonight at eight o'clock on Fox sports, Arizona, they're showing like a 2005 Phoenix suns versus Dallas Mavericks, Western conference final game. I don't know which oh, one okay. it is, but if you're bored, watch that one. You'll see Quentin Richardson. You'll see a Kurt Thomas list Phoenix suns team, which is amazing. Yeah. So that's, no, that's my great. worst trade. Yeah, because you got to double down. And that's the thing the Suns never do. It's, you watch movies. They always, you know, they, they lose, but they always come back because they double down on their team and they come back and win the championship. Suns just never do that part of the movie. Yeah. I don't know what it yeah. is. I love, I love your thing where it's like uh, the draft picks. It's like, oh, they traded this draft pick that turned into this guy. It's like, you know what? It could have been someone else. They could have drafted someone else, but they just got lucky and got the right guy. So I hate when they compare like these – these trades and it's like, Oh, this, this draft pick turned into this person. You know what I mean? Unless it's like a number one pick maybe. Exactly. I like, hate that. If you trade Rajon Rondo to the Celtics, that might've been the perfect environment and it was conducive to enhancing his skills that made him who he was sitting on the bench yes. in Phoenix for four years behind Steve Nash. He never would have became Rajon Rondo. Exactly. So you yep. can't go that route. Nope. I know one that, uh, again, I was posing this question to some of my friends when we were doing our zoom NFL draft party and we were talking about how one of my buddies brought up Charles Barkley and the Charles Barkley trade. It wasn't very successful for the Suns in the long run uh, initially because you got like Sam Cassell and Robert Ori and every, and my buddy was like, well, we should just held on to Charles Barkley. It's like, yeah, but I don't know if you recall, but Charles Barkley, like he was having back problems. He was always talking about retiring and you know, it's, it's, it was the back end of his career. It's like, what, do we yeah. want to watch this bright star slowly 
you know, collapse upon itself or let's go get some assets for it. Now, again, initially those assets didn't work out. It was Sam Cassell, Robert Ori, I think Mark Bryant, but we turned those assets into other things. We took Robert Ori and we, we dished him to Los Angeles and we got Cedric Sabalas and we used Sam Cassell as a part of the trade that brought Jason Kidd here. So, you know, in, in the yeah. long run, it actually was a good move. Initially it hurts because you're like, Oh, our superstar, but he was no longer that superstar. He was at the back end of his career physically. Exactly, so. man. That's why I thank Barkley you for pointing that there. out too. Yeah. That's what I'm here for. All right. So next question, my turn is from uh, Deborah Coulter. Yes. Hey, uh, so I've been thinking it's two part question. I've been thinking uh, who is more valuable bridges or Ubre, and what is the right time to trade for a point guard or power forward? My second question is if the Suns win the lottery and jump to one, two or three, now you are taking ball or are you trading down? Love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you, Deborah. We appreciate you tuning in and listening. We love your questions every time, so keep them coming, and we'll keep talking about all things Suns for you. Uh, let me start off with the first part of this question, because it's actually a three-parter. The first thing is, who's more valuable, Bridges or Ubre? In my opinion, it's Bridges, and here's why. Kelly Ubre, technically, monetarily, is more valuable. He's making, what, $17 million a year. He's on... We now only have him for one more year next year. Whereas Bridges, we still have him for a couple more years. He's making $4.5 million, and he just has more value that way. He's also a better defensive player. He's somebody who can play the three and the four, whereas Kelly really can't play the four. And you look at the Suns, and their best uh, opportunity for success this year is when they ran that Bober lineup, which was Booker, Ubre, Bridges, Rubio, and Aiton. When they ran that yeah. Bobra lineup is when they were most effective. And, it, and the one key, the one thing that made it all go was the fact that we put Bridges at power forward versus putting Saric at power forward. That changed our athleticism, changed our defensive mindset. You know, he's a guy who does a couple things very, very well instead of like Dario who does a lot of, a lot of things good. So mm-hmm. I, like, I think in the long run, Bridges is more of a valuable player. What do you think? Yeah, I picked Bridges too. It was tough because I love Ubre, but Ubre, you me know too, who me he too. is now. This was only uh, this is only Bridges' second year, and I feel like you don't really know a player until he enters like his fourth year. You get three years in his fourth year, then you get to see what the player is. Um, I think that um, Bridges can turn into something that, like you said, he can do a bunch of things great, and he's gonna be one of those guys that are more like fundamental. Uh, his skills are gonna be just things you don't see that are flashy, but his defense, his shooting, and his finishing around the rim is all going to improve. Mm-hmm. And he's a long dude. And like you said, they put him at the four, and he was pretty solid. So just going off of that, I'm going to pick Bridges. But Uber, I still love the guy. I just think we know who he is now. He's a very flashy player, but I don't think he's the guy that, you know, we can have on this team. I can kind of see Bridges being our third or maybe in fourth best player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ubre, I feel like he would definitely just be a fourth best player on the team, which he's great. I love, I love Ubre, but I'm just saying he's the clutchest guy in Suns history. But, yeah. uh, but I just there's just something about him where I just I don't believe it to be the third or fourth best player on this team. And I hate to say that, but I'm just that's that's just how I feel. And he might prove me wrong next year. So, well, and again, you got to look at it like this in the long term. Who's more expendable? Is it Ubre or is it Bridges? In my opinion, it's Ubre. He's yeah. got that big contract. He's going to get paid the next time he's available to be a free agent. 
He becomes a yeah. very, very, very valuable trade asset in the middle of next year. He's somebody who around the February timeframe or whenever the season, you know, whatever that time frame of that season is, but the middle of the season prior to the trade deadline, he's somebody who, if the Suns aren't playing to their expectations, they can trade to a team that wants somebody like him and we can get a lot for him potentially. Again, I love Ubre. I hope that we can ride him all the way out through the end of next season and he resigns here. But if you're telling me in, yeah. in, in three seasons, who's a member of this team still? I, it's, one, it's Bridges, and two, I would prefer it be Bridges. I just think he adds more versatility. We need perimeter defense. He is a yeah. great perimeter defender. You know, Ubre is flashy. He can throw down the dunks. He's not really good on defense. Not really good at driving no. with the ball. Not really good at passing the ball. He, you know, he can shoot those clutch threes, and he can dunk it with the best of them. But his mid-range yeah. game isn't the best. So I think that in the long term, it's got to be Bridges. Yeah, it's a sexy player. Just uh, I want the all-around, you know, hustle, dude, and yes. bridges, you know. All right, so second question, you want to go yeah, ahead and take yeah, that one? Yeah, so the second part of Deborah Coulter's question is, when is the right time to trade for a point guard, a point guard, a point guard <laughs> or a power forward? This is – after the draft is the answer because the NBA is different from the NFL. In the NFL, free agency happens, and then the draft happens. So you have an opportunity to kind of put together your squad and go, okay, now that I have my squad together, I, can, I need to get a left tackle. I need to get a wide receiver because I didn't get a good one in free agency. What's tough about the NBA is the draft happens and then free agency happens. So yeah. you go out there and you go, okay, we have the number 10 overall pick. We're going to take Tyrese Halliburton. We need a point guard. And then free agency happens, and there's, like, a great point guard who somehow is interested <laughs> in Phoenix. And you're like, well, shit, I'm not going for him because I don't need him now. Yeah. So, you know, to answer Deborah's question, the right time to go after a point guard or a power forward is after the draft. Now, a point guard is somebody who I don't think we should go after in free agency. We need to go after a shooting guard or a power forward based on what we do in the draft. Yes. If we draft Obi Toppin, who is not a great defender, but he has Amari-esque uh, qualities when it comes to being an offensive player, then you go after the shooting guard to back up Devin Booker. If yes. you get a good shooting guard, then you go after the power forward in free agency, which is actually a good strategy because there's a lot of good power forwards you can either trade for or get in free agency. Or you do what I say and you trade the pick. So what do you, <laughs> yeah. think? What do you think? Well, uh, I'm with you on this. Um, I Definitely hope, and I think it's something Silver's looking into where they're switching the two. So you have free agency and then the draft because be it makes way more sense to do that. Uh, it would save a lot of teams, uh, you know, worry, I feel like, right, <laughs> in the draft. Yeah. And, um, but I'm, I'm with you, man. So if they can get LaMelo Ball, take them, and then you can, you can find that power forward. Even if it's like a backup power forward, someone off the bench, uh, vice versa. Either way, you know, that's what I'm going for this offseason. So – I don't know just when the exact, when the exact right time is, but when that player becomes available, you just got to take them or trade for them. Yes. Now, do you want to take the third part of this question? And the third part of this question is if the Suns win the lottery and jump to one, two, or three, are you taking ball or are you trading down? Yeah, so I'm taking ball just because I think he's going to be instant impact. I think he can be someone that can come to the offense. And if we do end up trading Ubre, God bless his soul, uh, I just I think that we need someone that can actually score and stuff and can play maybe even the three because he's he's getting big. The dude is like going to be six seven, 
He's already – I think he's six six right now, but I feel like he can play the three, and he's a great pass. He'll be instant impact. So if he's there, take him. If not, then trade. And I think if even if you have the third pick and you you don't get ball, you can trade it, and then you can put that trade into someone like a backup point power forward. Uh, yes. Backup power forward, I meant. Uh, so I would love to see that, but I'm definitely taking ball. I'm all for him in this draft. If we get him, I would be awesome. See, I'm not as high on ball just because I know he lacks any defensive capabilities whatsoever. And if he's coming into the game, obviously as a rookie, it would be off the bench. You do want somebody who could provide some defense, but I can see what you're saying. If he's coming in and he's being the two or the three, but he's a distributing two or three, that's a nice thing to have. Somebody who can come in and keep the offensive onslaught going once Booker and Aiton sit on the bench. Because that's one of the questions that we currently have with the Suns team is, okay, if Booker's not out there and Aiton's not out there, where are we really getting our points? If Javon Carter gets hot for a night, you know that you're going to get 12 points from him. If Dario's coming off the bench and the matchup is correct, you might get nine from him. But you're not getting sustained offense. There's no guy who's coming in. There's no one on the Phoenix Suns who you're like, that's our sixth man. Who's our sixth man? Dario? I mean, I mean, it, it, it should be, but. but it, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, whereas you go around the league and you look at other really, really good teams, like you look at like uh, the Clippers, for example, yeah. and, and uh, they, have, they have Lou Will. Yeah, Lou you know, coming yeah. in and he can put up 26 in a night, you know, so potentially the mellow ball could be that kind of offensive player. There's the guard out of Georgia. Uh, forgive me. I don't recall his name. He's a really good offensive player. Who's going to go in the top three, most likely. Again, I think that if you have the top three, you could take Obi Toppin. If, but in yeah. my opinion, you're not, if you're not taking Toppin, if you're not taking ball, you're trading that pick. That is a very valuable asset to your yeah. point that can get you over the hump to get those Aaron Gordon's Julius Randles, like the really solid fours out of this. And let, let, let's say you go, okay, here's Kelly Oubre and the number three overall pick to New York for Julius Randle. I would do that in a second. You move Bridges yeah. to the three and now as the three, he can guard fours. If he needs to, he can guard twos. If he needs to, you know, LeBron James is out there. You put Mikhail Bridges on him. And now you have Julius Randle as your four. I mean, again, that's why going mm -hmm. back to the first part of uh, what Deborah proposed, that's why I feel like Bridges is more valuable. His versatility and Ubre is more valuable from a trade asset standpoint. You can move his contract and it'll make sense financially as well as the team in return doesn't feel like they're getting screwed. It's not like yeah. Tyler Johnson. We're like, hey, we can trade you Tyler Johnson in a first round pick. It'll make the money make sense. And everybody's like, I don't want fucking Tyler Johnson because he's dog shit. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. whereas Kelly Oubre, they're like, oh, this guy's good, and he's got the swag. He's a valley boy. So, uh, But the only, thing, the only thing I have really quick with the ball is please. I feel like you can plug him in, like I said, at the three. So you said coming off the bench, he's not going to be a bench player. He's going to be a starter. And actually, if you listen to pause before, <laughs> I said he would end up on the Wizards probably. And it's yeah. funny because this week I actually saw an update, and they said the Wizards are looking into drafting ball this year. I can just see him being on the Wizards. I can uh, too. So, but I can see him playing the three. I really can. And if you have, like you said, Mikkel Bridges and Aiton, they are good around the rim defensively. I think they are. And I think Bridges will actually improve to be even better. Mm -hmm. And I think if you have those two at the four and five, and then if you end up, you can go this way too. If we trade Rubio or somebody and then play the point book, I know you don't like it. You have book LaMelo, and then you got Bridges, uh, Ubre, and then Aiton. Uh, that's another way to go with it too. I just think having this guy in the lineup, 
scoring. He's a playmaker. He, I guess he has to work on his jump shot, of course, because he's a ball. But I'm just saying, like, he <laughs> can be a playmaker, too. We can have on there and even play with the second unit. He doesn't have to be a starter and just play with the starters. He can be the other guy that can score when book and uh, Aiden are on the bench, you know? Yeah. And I'm not opposed to point book. I just don't think it's a, a long-term solution. Like, yeah. if we're doing point book for, like, 15 minutes a game, like, I'm all for that. But if he's got to do it 33 minutes a game, like, analytically and statistically, it's horrible. Yeah. And he turns the ball over at too high of a clip, and it's just not a productive offense. But if he's got to spell Rubio or a new point guard at some point – because, again, everybody's talking about a new point guard for the Suns. We still have Rubio for two more years under contract. Yeah. What was he, second in assists this year in the yeah, NBA? Second or or third. Yeah, second or third. Yeah, it's like, no, no, I don't want that on my team. Like, I get it. He's not flashy. He can't hit all the big jump shots. So what do you do? You put great shooters around him and let him distribute the ball. Yeah. And you put guys down low who know how to cut to the basket. And he can get him the ball down there. And that's an effective offense. We don't need – it's just – I think it's the bias of the Russell Westbrooks, the James Hardens of the world, who you have these point guards who can just throw up 30 anytime they want. And now that's what everybody wants is a 30-point point guard. I'd rather have a guy who yeah. gives out 15 assists. It's more fun to watch. No, I'm totally with you. I love Rubio. I'm just giving, you know, if, if we end up trading him or something, if we get LaMelo and we end up trading Rubio or something, I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there because I really like LaMelo, and I think he has a chance on this team if he's here. I like it. I like it. All right, so our last question uh, comes from Rob Jansen. And Rob Jansen actually gave us – this long story, which is a great story where he's talking about growing up in the Netherlands and he never got to see the Suns in person. And then he finally does. And he's got like a, uh, uh, a pamphlet and a member of the Suns is out front and they sign it and he didn't really know who they were. And it ended up being Connie Hawkins. Oh, and, nice. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, I felt like an ass cause I didn't know who he was and things of that nature. So the question he posed to both of us was, who was the first Suns player you met, and did you also manage to embarrass yourself? Um, you know what's strange? I haven't really met anybody. I, the only ones I met, and this is funny, I think I was 11 or so or 10, but uh, I met <laughs> coming out of the garage. The parking garage was Luke Longley, so I got his autograph on my big foam finger was Luke Longley, and then the next guy was Oliver Miller. <laughs> I got his, nice. I got his uh, autograph. But the funny part of the story is I was with my sister, my older sister and her friend and her, her friend was on the other side of the car when Oliver Miller pulled up and his friend, Oliver Miller's friend rolled down the window and was like, Hey, you ever been with a brother? So he asked that. And that was the funny part of the story. So I've never been like embarrassed or anything. Uh, and I've never embarrassed myself. I will eventually. Oh, you know what? Okay. Now that I'm thinking about it. I guess you trying to get a picture with Jerry Colangelo and me spilling my, my all my drinks all over myself was probably oh. embarrassing. If anybody saw that. I saw um, it. I think that counts. Jerry right? saw it. That's what yeah, <laughs> I think he saw it. So that, that story we had, a uh, we had tickets to where you can go underneath and get coffee mm -hmm. and, you know, complimentary beers and whatnot. You know, there were nice seats that uh, a friend gave us and we were back there and it was, it was against the Clippers to actually start this season. Yeah. And Jerry Colangelo was back there getting coffee and you had just gotten like two beers 
And I saw Jerry Colangelo, so I started making a beeline for him. And, I just, <laughs> I, and I'm like trying to give you my phone. I'm like, take a picture of me and Jerry. Mm-hmm. And you're like dropping your drinks, like trying to grab the phone. And like, I, I appreciate you. You're a good <laughs> friend for trying to at least attempt it. Instead of being like mm-hmm. looking at both your beers, looking at me and like telling me to get yeah. fucked. You know, like, yeah. you know, or, or I've been watching a lot of Succession. So now the, the phrase about my, around my house is fuck off. So yeah. thanks for not telling me to fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> uh so the first time I ever met a Suns player, I did actually manage to embarrass myself simply because of, I feel like, the way that I was dressed, okay? So this was 2012, I want to say, maybe 2011. I was still in the military. I was in the National Guard at the time, and I had the sergeant's board coming up. So I had to take my Class A uniforms and had my rank sewed on them. So I have my Class A, you know, and it's the middle of July, by the way. And I have my class A uniform with me and I'm going to the, uh, the seamstress to have the, the rank sewn on. And actually that night was a country concert. I believe it was Tim McGraw and like Lady Antebellum and uh, somebody else opened for him too. It was a really, really good concert. Uh, if you go back and look it up, it's like July 2nd, 2011, I think. That's how my mind works. Actually, I think I remember the date. And I just bought a new cowboy hat. And I'm like, you know what? The way to break in this cowboy hat is to put it on and drive to the seamstress, which is probably about 10 miles from my house, with the AC off because it gets you to start sweating and it allows you to kind of break the hat in, right? So I've got a cowboy hat on, I've got a cutoff t-shirt on, and I've got basketball shorts and flip-flops on, right? So I walk into the seamstress and I got my class A's and I drop them off and you know I'm filling out the paperwork and what have you. And when I'm done, I turn around and there's Grant Hill. Big, tall, six foot seven Grant Hill. And I'm just like, oh shit. So what do I do? I shake his hand. I go, Mr. Hill. And he goes, yeah. I go, hey, thank you for sweeping the Spurs. You might not have won the championship, but you know, you did something that made every Suns fan really happy. So this <laughs> must have been, two, that, it, that. it was 2010. Yeah, I know. Cause whenever I, whenever I meet <laughs> anyone from the Suns, I just thank them. Yeah. Thank like, you what, for, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause like when I met Jerry Colangelo, when you fumbled the drinks, you know, when yeah. I met him, I said, thanks Jerry for everything you've done for this city. My dad used to say Phoenix was a wise spot in the road until you brought the Suns here, which is true. Yeah. You know, my dad always said that growing up. So that's what I said to Grant Hill. He looked at me like I was just, you know, I got a cowboy hat on, basketball hat. He's like, what the <laughs> yeah. frick is this hillbilly doing? Shaking my hand. But yeah, so it must have been 2010 because it was right after we swept the Spurs in the playoffs. And yeah. I, I, I walked away and I go, I'm an ass. But you know what? I, I always give myself props because I'm like, at least I said something to him. Yeah. You know? A lot and of people I, can't get words out, John. Or, or they do something like, sign my tits or something, you know? Like, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you, you ever slept with a brother? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, like, I, I at least, you know, I always, I'm, I'm courteous and I say, hey, thanks for something that you did to, that, uh, that positively yeah. impacted me you, as a fan of the Phoenix Suns. You walk, you're walking around like, da- like Dallas Buyers Club. I can yeah. just see. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, so, yeah. Right, we so. do have one more, one more question, though. Okay, yeah, from fire Jonathan away. Che. Oh, yes. Uh, so, the biggest question I feel like every son has uh, is what does Devin Booker have to do to submit himself as the greatest son? Oh man, that's a good one. Uh, continue doing what he's doing. I think, right. You know, yes. stay with the franchise. He's already propelling himself that way. Obviously get us to the playoffs, win some playoff games and potentially get us into a Western conference finals, if not an NBA finals. Yes. If he can get us to that level, that's what's going to do it. Cause you look at like, Dan Marley, Charles Barkley, even Charles Barkley spent four years with the Suns, but he got us to the final. So he's instantly in that conversation of greatest son ever. Right. 
Yeah. You know, he, he came over from Philadelphia where he had a great career and he cemented himself in son's lore by getting us to the finals. Paul Westfall got us to the finals in 76 and as a coach, so cemented himself. So if you go through and you look at son's history, it's those teams that get us over that hump with success. Booker's going to have mm-hmm. the stats if he stays with the Suns. He's, he scores at a phenomenal clip. He's been doing so since he was so young. So he's going to have the longevity. And that's what, you know, always is kind of the LeBron versus Michael Jordan debate. LeBron is going to have longevity on Jordan. Jordan played, I think, a total of 13 seasons. LeBron's already going into his 17th. So he's going to, you know, every, well, he's got more points than Jordan. Well, he's been playing longer, you yeah. know? He, well, he's got more playoff statistics than Jordan. Well, yeah, because he's been playing longer. You know, he's been healthy his whole career. Mm-hmm. He's been on teams, you know, where I think it was the first four seasons that weren't very successful, and then he got into the finals, and he made those runs to all those finals. And it's like, what defines great to you? Is it quantity or is it quality? Jordan was quality. LeBron's quantity. Yeah, he. but, I mean, here we go with this. Yes, debate. this is oh, good. So it's like, Bring it on. Le- no, I'm just saying, LeBron, he still has both, I feel like, quality and quantity. I just think it took – I just, I really think it's a big deal how Michael Jordan flew under the microscope. So, you know, like for so long, mm-hmm. since LeBron got in the NBA, everyone was on him. I mean, every first take, every day, Skip Bayless, all those dudes, whatever the show was named, everyone was on him every, every day. For him to come out with, if he gets a fourth ring with the Lakers, I'm not saying he's better than Jordan. I'm just saying he's had one of the top two best careers Without in doubt, the league. That I agree with. He's easily yeah. a top three player in my opinion it goes jordan kareem abdul jabbar lebron james yeah and why do i have kareem abdul jabbar and jordan above lebron james simply because when it mattered most they succeeded okay lebron again has only won what three championships in like 20 appearances in the nba finals yeah he's great at getting his team there when he's marching through the shitty east for a decade you yeah. know and then when he gets there, he has a. If I was a uh, batting in Major League Baseball, I would have that would be an acceptable winning percentage. You know, he's batting three hundred in like NBA Finals. So, whereas Jordan batting a thousand. You know, I don't know what Kareem is off the bat, but he's like a five-time NBA champion. He brought Milwaukee from the doldrums of the of Wisconsin to win a championship in '71, and then he went to LA and kept winning them with Magic. You know, he lost them too. But still, like, yeah, quality versus quantity. So back to the Booker thing. He's going to have the quantity. Can he turn it into quality is the question. Can he yeah. take this team into the, the, the land of success? We'll see. What are your thoughts? He, he definitely has the players. He has the coaches. He has the GM. He has everything he needs now to get to that level. So it really is up to him. I think he has a chance – I don't know if he'll get there or not, but if he wins a championship here, he will, of course, be the all-time greatest son. I already said before, statistically, everything, he will go down as the best son ever. But to have, like, a statue on a previous question we had before, I think he would be the first guy we would think to build a statue, but he yeah. would have to win a championship first. It wouldn't be a bunch of runner-ups. It wouldn't be, like, a Steve Nash thing mm-hmm. where, you know, so many times so close because I feel like he has – a great team and he might, he might even have better tools than what Nash had. I'm just saying to evolve into like, this is a great base for a team. Yes. He just has to be the superstar. What made Nash's era so successful, I think is the fact that he won a couple MVPs. I mean, he was the best player in the league for probably three seasons in a row. 
And Booker, I don't know if he has that potential. I think he could be an all-NBA, maybe second-team guy. And maybe in about three seasons when the LeBrons of the world are starting to retire and some of the, the guys who are tenured and kind of automatically get chosen to the all-star games and things of that nature, he could make his way into a first-team all-NBA team guy. He's got the capability from a scoring standpoint, from an assist standpoint. And due to his size as a two-guard, he can get a lot of those rebounds too. So he can put up some statistics that could get him into that all-NBA realm I don't know if he can get into the MVP conversation like Steve Nash did again a reason why Steve Nash is so beloved by Phoenix Suns fans because you know he was nationally recognized as the best well he does and the thing that's so underestimated about book is his ability to add on things every year no one really talks about I feel like especially the national media how much he improved playmaking he did nothing in in Kentucky with playmaking the first two years as in the NBA he was not a playmaker. He wasn't the point guard. He had to learn a lot of stuff. And he's actually been excellent at those positions, at being a playmaker and being more, I feel like this year you saw more of a team leader kind of. It's still got to get better. But he is drastically improving just on those things. And I think that's really never looked at for Booker. And I feel like like a Giannis, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo grew 10 inches and then he was great. Yeah, but I feel like yeah. Booker has to work extra hard on his craft to be the best. I just think he has to be extra, has to like put in the extra time. And I think he will. Yeah. He's got that competitive nature in him that you want in your superstar. That's one thing yeah. that I do appreciate about Booker. He's not the lackadaisical kind of go with it. You know, like the Joel Ellen beads of the world. I'm loud. Yeah. I'm lackadaisical. And if you light a fire under my ass, I might do okay. Booker lets his game talk. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I appreciate. So Thank you to all of our listeners for firing up those questions for us. We appreciate it. You can always submit your questions to the podcast simply by hitting us up at sunsjamsession at gmail.com. So we appreciate those questions. I got a couple questions for you, Matthew. Yeah, what's up, man? Have you watched anything new um, or, you or know, anything I old? I just started watching the Alien movies. So that, I've never that's seen the, I've never seen them. I've never seen them. And wow. I just I feel like I got to watch them. You know, I've right. seen the Predators. I don't give the other side any love, so I got to go to the, to the alien side. You know. So, so have you seen Alien and Aliens, or just how many? Are, how many are you through? I'm I'm 20 minutes into Alien, the one from 1979. So, so <laughs> it's it's funny you say that because I watched a movie last night from 1979 that I've never seen as well either, and that is Mad Max. I've never seen any of the Mad Max franchise. Oh, I've never seen those either. So I watched oh. the first one. It's got Mel Gibson, not looking like Mel Gibson. He's so young. And I got to say, yeah. the first Mad Max, dog shit. That was a horrible movie. Oh, okay. I'll have to watch it then now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that the second one's when it really starts to get good as far as going into more of the futuristic apocalyptic world. And yeah. that's where a lot more of the sayings and things come from. But I was talking to my cousin while we were on a fishing trip. And he started talking about Mad Max. I'm like, dude, I've never seen those. So he started setting up kind of the, the plot for me. And I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. You know, very futuristic and ahead of its time for being the late 70s and the early 80s. I'll check it out. Then I watched the first one last night. I'm like, this is fucking garbage. He's like, but you got to watch the first one. Because I know that yeah. Mad Max Fury Road, which came out a few years ago with Tom Hardy, is supposed to be just an amazing movie. So It was good. What... Yeah, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I think that's like one of the last movies I saw in the theater, even though it was like two years ago. So, <laughs> so any new TV shows or anything you're watching? Or... Dude, I see. I've seen all the good ones on HBO. I yeah. started watching Community. I got through the first season, which was great. Second season, I dropped off. I couldn't stand it. Sorry. So I stopped watching it. So I haven't really been watching a whole lot, man. I, I just I haven't. 
Well, the one thing that I'm counting down to again tonight is the last dance. Yeah. Obviously everybody who's a sports fan and a basketball fan, you're lining up, you know, your dinner plans around that. You're like, okay, do I do pizza hut or do I do Papa John's? Do a Pizzone or? Yeah. Get a game of Pizzones. But, uh, and that's one thing that we'll actually be doing on Tuesday. We're going to have our podcast that comes out where Matthew and myself talk about the last dance episodes three and four. We're going to watch it tonight. We'll get together tomorrow via zoom and we'll talk about that. So, you know, if you are a fan of the last dance, it might not necessarily be sons related, but they'll always weave in some sons highlights in there. You'll see uh, like Robert Ori still wearing a, a son's jersey you know for a dunk he gets dunked on by jordan or something so we'll break down some of that stuff so make sure that you tune in on tuesday for that and then thursday we're going to review the forgotten sons team the 2005 2006 phoenix suns team so you had the 0405 sons who revolutionized basketball and you know took small ball kind of to a new level and you had the 0607 team that lost to the Spurs due to Diaw and Stoudemire coming off the bench. But no one talks about the team that in, in between those two teams that lost in the Western Conference Finals to the Dallas Mavericks, which was really their best shot to kind of get to the finals because Dallas polished off San Antonio that year. We didn't have to take them on that year, and we lost to Dallas. Yep. <laughs> you know? That's true, man. And that's what everyone thought, too. It was – it's a crazy year to go back and watch because when you look up the videos, all you get is 0405 Suns. Yeah. Before you know it, I'm watching the whole game from 0405. I'm like, wait, this is the wrong year. <laughs> so um, it's going to be interesting to go back and you forget how great those series were in the playoffs. So Yes. So, uh, But again, we appreciate you, you pressing play and listening to the pod. You know, there's a lot of things that you could be doing and you're choosing to do this. Maybe you're out back doing yard work. Like that's how I typically listen to my podcast is when I'm working around the house while I'm on furlough and I'm self-quarantining. So uh, we appreciate that. Again, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Darth Voida. Matthew, you are? This is Matthew Lissy. I'm at Matthew Lissy. All right, there you go. So you can follow Matthew as well. Uh, You can read Bright Side of the Sun. That's where you get this podcast. And you can also read some of my articles that I'm putting out there. I actually just put out uh, Six Degrees of Cedric Sabalas which is something we talked about on the podcast a long time ago. And you know what? I was impressed. I, could, I made it happen. I got a guy yeah. from like 1954, and I got him all the way to Cedric Sabalas, you know, <laughs> and it was, uh, it was actually really fun. And uh, then, of course, the podcast we did last Thursday on the 83-84 Suns, I put a 5,600-word a article on Brightside just so the facts are out there. So if some kid 20 yeah. years from now is Googling, hey, what was that team from 50 years ago? all the information will be in one place for him. So that'll be the only person who'll ever read it. (laughs) (laughs) You got any more questions, Matthew? I don't have any questions, man. All right. Well, I got to go install a dishwasher in my kitchen. So time for me to take off. So thank you everybody for listening. Yeah. Thank you everybody. And stay home and love your family. Amen. Take care. Bye.